One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And we're going to talk to you about some murder tonight. And that's really all we're going to do. So yep. if you want to talk about finances or wellness, um, get a, make a friend and talk to them about it. But not in person, because we're not there yet as a nation or world. <laughs> but talk, talk to them on the phone. <laughs> so with that, all that, good advice. <laughs> I'll I'll turn it over to Sadie. Thanks. <laughs> Not really sure where to go from here, but I will just go down to the murder town. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all of our new listeners. Uh, Usually it's a little snappier at the beginning, but um if you're still today. listening, you're you're gonna be in good shape. You're gonna really like the rest of this podcast if you're That's still right. if you made it through this intro. So take us down to murder town. We are going to talk about the murder of Brooke Wilberger. On the morning of May 24th, 2004, 19-year-old Brooke Wilberger was at work. She was doing odd jobs for her sister and brother-in-law, who are apartment managers at the Oak Park Apartments, located on the edge of Oregon State University campus in Corvallis, Oregon. Hmm. Brooke had just finished her freshman year at Brigham Young University and was home for summer break. Her sister, Stephanie Hansen, left the apartment complex to drop off her child at preschool around 9 a.m. Stephanie saw Brooke cleaning lamp posts in the parking lot when she left. Cleaning lamp posts? Yeah, they were like not big, tall. You know, I was sort of picturing those huge parking lot. Yeah. You know, but it's it's more of those decorative, decorative. along All the right. pathway sort of lamp posts. Still very thorough of her. I know, right? Mm-hmm. When she returned over an hour later, she could not find her sister. Ugh. The only thing she found were the flip-flops Brooke had been wearing that day next to the cleaning bucket that she'd been using to do her work. Oh, no. Swiped right out of her shoes? Yeah. Oh, One no. of the flip-flop straps had been broken. Ugh. Stephanie checked her apartment for Brooke, but only found Brooke's keys and other personal items. Her car was still parked in the parking lot. Frantic, Stephanie immediately called 911. Terrible. I just can't. I mean, I can't no. even imagine. No. No. It's like, bizarre. Hey, Court, it's bizarre. I'm going to go to drop off my kid at school, and I come back, and all I find are your fucking shoes? Your flip-flops. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. I don't like this at all. It's very. Mm. It's giving me really bad chills. It the should. It's kind. awful. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah. Rather than waiting the usual 24 hours to start a missing persons case, it was clear to the police that Brooke had most likely been abducted, and authorities started searching for Brooke right away. Good. They started by knocking on doors at the apartment complex, and three residents, out of about 250 people, said they heard a, quote, sharp scream sometime between 10 and 10.30, but no one saw a thing. They combed the area, and afterwards spread through the community and the Mormon church that Brooke's family was a part of, more than 300 volunteers showed up to help. All I gotta say throughout this whole story, don't fuck with the Mormons. Do not do it. Right on. I These guys, that. 
they the one of the articles I talked about they what did they call them god I can't believe I didn't write it down home teachers is what they call them and I don't know exactly what that means if anybody knows tell me but it's basically a tree phone tree uh-huh and you call Marsha and Marsha calls Steve. Yeah. And this nice. is how you get, I don't know why they call them home teachers, but you get the word through the community lickety split. It was like so early smart. 2000s group texts. Amazing. <laughs> so they, yeah, word gets out that Brooks disappeared and all of a sudden there's this army Mormon of people is out ready to help. Force. Right yes. on. They plastered the town with missing persons flyers and even got on the ham radio to spread word to truck drivers to keep an eye out for Brooke. Wow. I need one of these things just in general. Just, just, I mean, it would be like you, Laura. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of just them, everyone on the ready at all times for right. whatever, whatever could come up. That's yes. such a secure feeling, right? Yeah, right. It really is. And they, the investigators said that the turnout was so huge for the search that they had to be like, okay, well, you guys go get food. You go do flyers. Like there was this, I'm, you know, wow. they had all of their bases covered. And so then they went out to grocery stores and people were donating food and finding oh, free paper for flyers. Yeah. I mean, it was... We need a we need home teacher trees. Yes, we do. Every last one of us. That's right. Despite the massive search, no witnesses came forward and no solid tips were generated. Wow. It was as if she had vanished into thin air. I that (laughs) she seriously sounds like she vanished into thin air. Yeah. Brooke was born on February twentieth, nineteen eighty five, to her parents, Greg and Cammy. She grew up in a large family and was fifth out of six siblings. She had three sisters and two brothers. She was known as the sweet but stubborn child. Her mom described her as spirited. The Wilbergers were a close-knit family and devout Mormons. Brooke was, quote, bubbly and bright, an honor student who graduated from Elmira High School in 2003. She was attending BYU as an early education major. She had speech delays as a toddler and wanted to become a speech pathologist to help kids like her. Four days after Brooke's disappearance, there was a break in her case when police publicly named one of four people of interest they had at the time. 30-year-old Sungkoo Kim was arrested after being accused of stealing underwear from three different Portland college dormitories and laundry rooms starting in October of 2002. They strongly suspected him of kidnapping Brooke and thought that he might be holding her hostage, so they decided to raid his house, where he lived with his parents and siblings, in the middle of the night. What? Assuming this guy's in Corvallis at this point, though? Yeah. Yep. Wow. The Oregon State Police SWAT team stormed the house and shot off concussion grenades and rubber bullets at the family, injuring Kim's father. Oh my god. Yeah. They have video. There's a on the scene with Paula Zahn. Yeah. <laughs> and there's uh, actual police footage of this raid. It was Holy fucking shit. crazy, like overboard. It's like Branch Davidian stuff. Yeah, it really was. That's insane. I mean, good for them for jumping on it. Like nobody wants you to sit around twiddling your thumbs when a girl is missing. But yikes. Yeah. So during the search of the house, investigators found more than 3,400 pairs of panties and bras. Wow. I know. It's so many. That's so many. Wow. Many were labeled with names, dates, and the location they were stolen from. So he had this shit cataloged. That's dedication to your kink. Yes. Wow. Ten pairs belonged to an Oregon State University swimmer who lived in the apartment complex where Brooke disappeared. Holy shit. And I said kink. I don't think that's the right word because it's not consensual. Whatever it is when it's not consensual, but it's it could just be a kink and you could have just let it be a kink. Perversion? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Anyway. It's today. They also found seven assault rifles, three computers collectively containing 40,000 images of women being mutilated, raped, and dismembered. Holy shit. Some of these images contained child sex abuse material as well. They also found a disturbing Word document titled OSU.doc, which described the rape and murder of a woman. 
listing the items needed to carry out the torture, including a hood, mirrored sunglasses, six pairs of nylons, and a bra and panty set for the victim. Shit. He at once told a college classmate that he could kill at will because he was, quote, one of Christ's angels. Oh, no. I was going to ask how the cops thought, like, why they suspected this kid so highly, but it sounds like there was plenty of probably evidence heading that direction. I'm not really sure. I couldn't find out how. I think that he was arrested because he stole some underwear Mm -hmm. and they were perusing the sex offender database. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Um, So they were just sort of pulling people from that and he was arrested and they were like, hey, maybe check this guy out. But most Uh, of the evidence they didn't find until after raiding his house, thinking that he might have Brooke. Right. And finding all of this terrible shit. Yeah. God. Uh, Kim's family swore to police that he was home with them the morning of May 24th, trading stocks on his sister's computer. But detectives were convinced of Kim's guilt, and prosecutors urged the court to hold him in jail. They agreed and held him on $10 million bail. (laughs) My God. Like, seriously, they they had to have some kind of freaky-ass information to have gone in so hard on this kid. I don't know. Right? I have no idea. I don't know. They I mean wow. this was just five days, I think I said after Brooke disappeared and I don't know. They were just like raring to go, but man, they gave it to this guy so hard. hard. Despite the incriminating items found in his room, police had trouble finding any physical evidence to tie Kim to Brooke's disappearance. He was eventually dropped as a person of interest in her case altogether but did receive an 11-year prison sentence for multiple counts of burglary and theft of women's personal property. Wow, man, that must have been very hard day to have to call it and not prosecute this. Or, like, not, you know, just, like, let it go. Right. Like, yeah, he's not our guy, guys. Yeah. Come on, seriously, he's got to be our guy. <laughs> right. Well, in one of the, on the, the Palazan show, they're interviewing one of the detectives, and he was like, yeah, I knew the whole time that he wasn't our guy. And I was like, bullshit, mm-hmm. you knew. Like, mm-hmm. you don't give somebody $10 million bond. Yeah, don't go and blast and, in his house with concussion bullets in the middle yeah. of the night. And his family sued the police department. I kind of don't blame him. Yeah, I don't either. And I guess there was a problem with the search warrant also. Like, it just seems like they really kind of fucked this one up. Mm-hmm. And they ended up settling in court for a couple hundred thousand dollars. But Yeah. So as the months passed, police and Brooke's family continued to do all they could to locate her. She was featured on America's Most Wanted, and a large reward was offered for information leading to her location. In September 2004, hoping for a fresh perspective in the case, Corvallis police contacted the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who sent out three retired investigators to help with the investigation. Thousands of tips poured in, but almost all of them were dead ends. Wow. And I can't help but to think throughout all of this, if we could just put this much resources to, like, every missing woman out there. Uh You know, it feels very disproportionate in some ways you know like good for brooke and her family that she got this much attention and care i just wish that we could offer that to everyone because it definitely doesn't happen no 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 it's very very lopsided excruciatingly lopsided they did receive a few promising tips a woman came forward to tell police that on the day of brooke's disappearance she had been walking in a secluded area on campus less than a mile from where Brooke was last seen, and had been approached by a man in a green van. He asked her for directions and wanted her to come look at a map that he had in his vehicle. She got a terrible feeling and refused to help him or get too close to the van, so he drove away. Yeah, don't, no, no van maps. No, No, never a van map. (laughs) Never a van map. Another woman called police to tell a similar story. She had been walking through a parking lot, this time only a few hundred yards from Brooke's disappearance. She was on the phone with her mother when a man driving a green van stopped to ask her for directions. Overhearing the conversation, the young woman's mother told her to stay on the phone with her and then walk away from the man. She wouldn't approach him, so he drove away. Clearly, someone had been on the hunt that day. (laughs) 
So six months after Brooke's disappearance, nearly a thousand miles away in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a 20-year-old foreign exchange student who bore a striking resemblance to Brooke was walking home. It was still early in the evening, but freezing cold and snowing, she was in a hurry to get out of the weather. As she walked past a parked red Honda Civic, a man got out and came up behind her. He grabbed her and put a knife to her throat and quickly forced her into his car. Uh, Heads up, trigger warning for sexual assault. Mm -hmm. The attack only lasted a second. She didn't even have time to scream. Once inside the car, he forced the woman to take off all her clothes, including her shoes, and then he drove her to a secluded parking lot where he proceeded to rape her at knife point. Afterward, he tied her up with her shoelaces and scarf and kept her in the back of the car. After he had tied her up, he decided to smoke some crack and made her inhale the smoke. Oh, no. While all this is happening, the woman is paying close attention to her surroundings, trying to memorize every little detail of the car she's in and the man who has brutally attacked her. Good for her. Before he drove away, he told the victim to not, quote, do anything stupid, and then got out of the car. Wow. Speaking of doing stupid shit, this guy. Yeah. (laughs) Roger that. Thank you for the ride. Good. Mm -hmm. And the crack. Goodbye. Right. While he was gone, the woman managed to free herself from her binds and grabbed her coat before fleeing. She then ran down the busy road naked, trying to find help. No one would stop, so she ran into a nearby restaurant, but they made her leave. There's a very special place in hell for all those people. No. Luckily, a woman driving by saw this happening and pulled over to help. The victim jumped into her car and police were called. As they waited for authorities, the victim saw her attacker sitting in his car watching her from across the road. They watched him pass the responding police cars as he drove off. How do you do something about that? (laughs) Yeah, like, can you imagine being like, no, he's right there, go, go, but they, like, can't, they don't know, and what fucking balls for him to be sitting there, like. Ugh, God, this guy. Such balls. I need to invent an emergency flare that you can shoot in those cases. They can just, like, talk into it and tell it what you want to shoot into the air. (laughs) My idea would be, was going to say, to, like, suction cup to the perpetrator's vehicle. (laughs) Something. Yeah, I like the the talking one. Uh, uh, Some kind of, yeah, God. Yeah, alert system. The victim was able to give detectives a detailed description of the vehicle down to the upholstery color and also mentioned that there was a stuffed toy monkey suction cupped to the rear window. Good for you. She was also able to give them a very accurate description of what he looked like. Within a few hours, police found the attacker's car, complete with the stuffed monkey in the window, and the shoelaces, scarf, and articles of the victim's clothing in the back seat. Yeah. They waited, and within the hour, 39-year-old Joel Patrick Courtney walked out of a nearby house and started to get into his car when he was arrested. As detectives looked into Courtney's past, they realized he had a long history of violent crimes and knew he had attacked before. Boo. I'm going to say your name a bunch coming up I now, was Court. just going to say you chose that on purpose. You could have called him <laughs> Dave. You could have called him Dave Patrick, but I you know. chose Courtney. I know. I did. I like to use their last names when I can. Yeah, right. So When their last names are my name. Although, <laughs> I had a long conversation with some friends about that this weekend that I don't identify with my name at all, so it's fine. We couldn't okay. figure out what I actually am, though. We went through a lot of names and mm-hmm. never landed on anything. Nobody sure. ever calls me Courtney, ever. It's weird when Laura's like, Courtney, can you? No, she never. <laughs> Nobody yeah. ever says my name. So, that's fine. Courtney's for okay. murderers. We can it, we can proceed. suss it out at the end. Yeah, does anyone have any yeah. suggestions? What should I what should I be called? I'll think on it. Yeah, Court is what we decided. Court is the has always been my preferred name. That's what I call you because Courtney's for murderers. <laughs> when they found he had an outstanding arrest warrant in Oregon for a DUI, they contacted the Oregon State Police to let them know they had arrested a violent sex offender. They were wondering if they had any unsolved cases similar to the New Mexico victims. As a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. we do. Yes. Joel Courtney was born June 2nd, 1966 and grew up in Portland, Oregon. He was described as an, quote, angelic child, always laughing, but things changed when he entered puberty. 
According to his sister, he started using drugs at age 11, and when he was in his early teens, he tried multiple times to rape her while she was sleeping at night. Oh, God. She even woke to him straddling her with his hands around her neck. She had to hit him over the head with her bedside clock to get him off her. (laughs) When she told her mother, her mother refused to believe her. That is just... That's terrible. Yep. And it sounds like this guy was his mother's, like, golden child. Oh, no. Yeah. Didn't want to believe that he could do anything wrong. Why would your daughter just... I don't know. A cousin of Courtney's also told investigators of four separate times during her childhood that Courtney had tried to sexually assault her. The incidents happened when she was 12 to 17 years old, and Courtney was between 14 and 19. She was too afraid of her cousin to tell anyone. Damn it. He was sent to juvenile detention at 15, and around that same time, he became interested in Satan worship. Not sure of the details on that. It's just it's, what you do when you go to juvie. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> like here, here's Satan worshiping manual. <laughs> yeah. Young sure juvenile delinquent. Yeah. yeah. I don't really associate the dark arts with juvenile detention but what do i know at 19 courtney was convicted of first degree sex abuse and first degree attempted rape the victim was a friend of courtney's she was driving him home from a party when he started groping her he then punched her in the face and when she stopped the vehicle he tried to force her out of her clothes the woman was able to convince Courtney that she wanted to go back to the party and she ended up driving him home. Fast thinking. Good girl. Good for Mm -hmm. you. After serving time in jail for this crime, he moved around spending time in Alaska, Florida, and New Mexico, working various jobs as a fisherman, mechanic, and janitor. God, he just like went right to the places where you go when you're a serial killer like no good creep don't right yes Yes. (laughs) google search what's the best place to be a serial killer bing bing bing. alaska number one number two florida Florida. number three (laughs) new New mexico Mexico. i think it's pretty high up there i don't i don't know necessarily about like serial killers and stuff but tons and tons of crime lots of drugs in the early 90s courtney got married he and his wife went on to have three children He was described as a secretive, angry man who drank too much, used crack cocaine, and frightened his wife and children. In April of 2004, the family left Albuquerque, where they had lived for a while, and moved in with his brother and sister-in-law in in Portland, Oregon. Courtney's brother-in-law convinced his employer to hire Courtney. He started working for creative building maintenance in May. One of the perks of the job was having access to the company's green minivan. What's the date on this again? Where are we in time? 2004. Oh, God, the year I moved to Portland. Groovy. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh Uh, So in June, Courtney's wife left Oregon without him and returned to New Mexico. He showed up at her house two weeks later and police were called for domestic disturbance. Courtney was arrested, but he was quickly released. It was only a few months later in November that he was arrested for raping and kidnapping the University of New Mexico student. Jeez Louise. Once police started putting the pieces together and realized Courtney had been in Corvallis the day Brooke disappeared, they started seriously looking for evidence to link him to Brooke's disappearance. Mm. They learned on the day Brooke went missing, Courtney was scheduled to appear in Newport on a drunk driving charge. He left a phone message with the court saying that he was in Corvallis on his way to Newport, but he never showed up to court. It was his failure to show up in court and the warrant for his arrest as a result that would eventually tie him to Oregon and Brooke's case. Jesus. So that asshole, instead of going to court, abducted a woman. A woman. It just seems like the logical stop off on the way to court. Right. Is to commit homicide. But I love how karma just fucking reached right around and bit him in that ass Seriously. hard. Seriously. Like, Seriously. And also the other kid, underwear stealing kid. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like the uh, canic chase murders where if they hadn't, if the two girls hadn't been already missing, then the other two girls who got kidnapped wouldn't have been found kind of a right. thing. You know? Right. Ugh. Yeah. 
Authorities found hospital records showing Courtney sought emergency medical treatment for chest pains and high blood pressure two days after Brooks' disappearance. In an affidavit written by the investigators, they found this to be, quote, consistent with someone laboring under a high level of anxiety commonly produced after a major criminal event. Well, that seems to line up. That lines Mm -hmm. up. Courtney was staying with his wife's parents in Portland when Brooke vanished. When questioned, they told detectives that he left their home early the morning of her disappearance and did not return until late the following night. His van was clean when he left and muddy when he returned. He told his in-laws that he had pulled off to the side of the road and had slept in the van. He then told them that he had been the victim of a kidnapping and that the police were after him. (laughs) For having been kidnapped? (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) And also... (laughs) He was going back to Portland or he's going back to New Mexico? He was going on his way back to Portland. So Corvallis is three hours from Portland. No right. need to stop over and have no. a little sleepy Night-night. sleep. Right. No. His sister later remembered her brother showing up at her home on June 8th, quote, a little bit on edge, not quite hyper. His sister said he told her, quote, you won't believe where I've been the last three days. Then he told her he'd been kidnapped by, quote, guys with guns and knives She said that Courtney told her a blonde girl had been with him, that there was blood involved, and that she had died. (laughs) After this visit, he fled Oregon and drove back to New Mexico to be with his wife. Detectives were able to track down the van Courtney had been driving, and investigators found a floorboard mat containing blonde hair fibers. There were also blonde hairs and a hair tie inside a duffel bag that Courtney was known to carry. They also collected semen samples and other, quote, bodily fluids. That would eventually come back matching Courtney and Brooke. They had their man. Get him. Nail him to the wall. This guy sucks. He sucks. He looks like a monster, too. I can't wait to see him. Joel Courtney was indicted in August 2005 on 19 counts, including aggravated murder, kidnapping, sodomy, and sexual abuse. Mm. He would first have to be tried for his charges in New Mexico before he could be extradited to Oregon to face the charges against him there. He eventually pled guilty to rape and kidnapping in the case in New Mexico and was sentenced to 18 years. Wow. He was then moved to Oregon in April of 2008. At first, the state wanted to try Courtney as a death penalty case, but the Wilberger family was desperate to have Brooks remains and pushed for a plea deal if he would tell them where she was. Mm Mm-hmm. State prosecutors and Courtney's defense team went back and forth for many months to try to come up with a deal. At first, Courtney refused a plea deal and wanted to have his day in court. He was a menace while in jail and even threw a fax machine at a county psychiatrist. Wow. But after it became more clear that the state had a very strong case against him and they were willing to agree to his two main demands, the first being that he would be spared the death penalty and the other was that he wanted to spend the entire life sentence in New Mexico to be closer to his wife and children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess that took a personal call from Brooke's mom to the New Mexico governor to plead with him to take this guy for his whole Holy life. Holy shit. Because she wanted to know so badly. Wow. Yeah. How do you get on the phone with a governor? Good work. I know. She Good work. Uh, yeah. Home, home teachers. Home teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so after the New Mexico governor agreed, then Courtney agreed to the plea deal. Good. On September 21st, 2009, Cammie Wilberger bravely stood before the media at a news conference to announce that Joel Courtney had pled guilty to aggravated murder and that her daughter's remains had been recovered. Really? Yep. As part of the plea deal, Courtney told authorities that on May 24th, 2004, he was on the hunt. He had tried to abduct a few other women that day and had even driven by Brooke, noticed her, but kept going. (laughs) When he tried to approach a different woman who ran away from him, he decided to go back to Brooke. Courtney turned around and returned to the parking lot where she was. He pulled the van between the apartment complex and his victim to block her escape route. He got out of the van with a FedEx package in his hand and acted like he was looking for a place to put the box. Once he was close enough to Brooke, he pulled a knife on her and forced her into the van. I hate him. He drove a short distance before pulling over and binding Brooke with duct tape. He then took her to a remote private property deep in the woods of the coast range of Benton County. He kept Brooke alive for over 24 hours. He used drugs and raped her. On the morning of May 25th, 
Brooke decided to fight back, and that's when he decided to kill her. He bludgeoned Brooke to death and then buried her body in a shallow grave. His detailed description of where he left Brooke's body led authorities straight to her. God, thank God. God, that poor girl. No. Joel Courtney was spared the death penalty, but will spend the rest of his life at the medium security Central New Mexico Correctional Facility at Los Lunas without the chance of parole. Good, 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 good. At the news conference, Brooke's mother, Cammie, said, quote, It might be hard for you to understand, but at this time we just really feel gratitude, even to Mr. Courtney, that he could see fit to tell us where he left Brooke. And our family, what happens to him, we're thankful that justice was served and that he will not have the opportunity for parole. She also said it was a family's faith that helped them avoid self-destruction. Quote, That's one thing that has given us peace. We don't feel anger or hate, she said. We couldn't change what happened. All we can do is move ahead and look for the good things that are around and be grateful for the people that are helping you. Mm. You heal, but there's still a scar, she said. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a reminder of the good things that came from it. You know the support that you received. Hopefully we're better people, she said. Wow. You would never choose to go back through a difficult time like that, but we did learn much about ourselves, and hopefully we emerged as better people, kinder and more loving through it all. It's going to make me cry. That She is a really good person. That is some amazing strength. Amazing strength. I know. And that is the story of uh, poor, sweet fucking Brooke Wilberger. Fuck. Uh, God. Good job. Good Thanks. grief. I know, man. <laughs> you got two sickos and one. Two real fucking pieces of work right in one story. Yes. yes. Unbelievable. Ooh. Unbelievable. Poor girl. Yep. It yep. just that shit just it's ugh. Like why did your number get called in that situation? You know, that is so 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 spooky. I know that it's the chances of somebody abducting you like that and murdering you are so astronomically small, but the fact that they still exist and that he's just out there and you just happen to go clean a lamppost right at the fucking moment that he's looking for his prey and that is unendingly, horrifyingly awful. Awful. In the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Ten in the morning. He On his way this... to court. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I thought about when reading about this case is that it was going to be somebody unfortunately it was going to be somebody and right he was good at it and not that it makes it okay or right or whatever you know doesn't at all but somebody was going to be the victim of this awful fucking crime and fuck him man makes me so mad him no it's just it just i that's the kind of shit that would drive me insane there's a great story the new yorker has a narrative podcast where they just tell short stories Ooh, and there's, I didn't yeah know about that let's really check it out good. it's you'd love it and there's one that's so heartbreaking about a family who gets informed that their daughter has died in a car accident Ugh. and they go to the morgue and it's like her whole you know experience of processing it as they're getting there and then they get there and they look at the daughter and it's not their daughter oh god and it is her their daughter's best friend who had oh, held her identification no. for her that night. Oh no! And then just you know, it's like this immense relief that it's not your daughter, but it's still somebody's daughter. And it's like, <laughs> no, I just got chills. No, no. yep. So sleep well, everybody. There's your night night story. There's your nightly affirmation that it could be you. <laughs> any moment. <laughs> no, I've been, you know, researching the story for a while and today I was driving down the f- little like not a freeway but like a busy road here mm-hmm. in town and in the median is a guy like freaking out and kicking and like screaming and oh boy punching and I had my oldest child in the back with me, and he's like, Mommy, what's what's wrong with him? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Worried that we're going to still like, stop right next to him, and I don't want to scare my kid. Oh, God. <laughs> Lock your doors. <laughs> oh, I think he was just on drugs, but 
Probably. Yeah. yeah. And then I always have that moment where I'm like, okay, should I pull over and help him? Like, no, that's a terrible idea. There's oh, just God, no, no, there wasn't terrible, any way. There's no yeah. good idea. Even what, be, what? just grown men walking down the street, like on a highway. Grown men walking down highways makes me sad because yeah. you shouldn't have to walk down a busy highway, you know? Right. And I'm always like, I should give him a No, no, I no, can't. You should not. I, Somebody but else. I want to, but I want them to have a ride. Or whatever treatment they need so that they're not right. kicking and punching down the median on yeah. busy highways or just walking down busy highways. That's right. Now, Ryan, he likes to, when we lived on the West Coast, he would pick up hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. He was always like, it's, it's my duty as like the six foot four yes. man. Yeah. Like I, I have to do it for, take one for the team. <laughs> yes. And he's slightly terrifying looking when Sadie met him. They met online and his photos, he's a super good looking guy. But we were like, he's either the best guy on earth or a total serial killer because yeah. he has this sort of serious demeanor. But luckily, he's the sweetest guy on earth. <laughs> yes, very intimidating. Yeah. Well, and come to find him. out later that his bachelor friends, he had two best friends who were both single at the time, uh, helped him create his online profile. Right. And they were like, no, 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 don't smile. The ladies love it. Like, you look smoking hot or whatever, like, when you don't smile. And I was like, like, and I passed murderer. up his profile multiple times because yes. I was like, that guy is terrifying. <laughs> and then I started reading it and he was really funny. And I was like, all right, it's worth dying for, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we did have a conversation, though. We're like, well, it's, yes. a, it's a risk. Well, it's yeah. Nope. And then when, he, the when we met sweetheart. in person, he had like the most great like the best smile and, mm-hmm. and as soon as i met him i was at ease and fell yeah. in love so yeah yeah, yeah. in person right. ryan translates as the sweetest guy on earth no right. <laughs> so if you're creating an online profile smile in the pictures or also, ask if listen. you're a dude looking to date women ask women about your online profile don't ask the dudes who haven't had any luck in the girls step one under no circumstance should you put a picture of yourself holding a fucking fish in a boat and you all do it <laughs> and you need to cut that shit out. Yeah. Not, that is not, not panty dropping material. No, no yeah. ladies like, God, I just really want to go fishing. Yeah. I mean, nope. maybe what plenty of women like to fish. Sadie likes yeah. to fish. I like sure. to fish as a kid, but now I'm too sensitive, but yeah, no, <laughs> Ooh, look at those fish skills. I bet he is a hot piece. That's not what they're thinking. <laughs> nope. Anyway. Anyway, good job. Sorry Thanks. for that family. Good God, she's amazing, the mother. I, mm-hmm. It makes, when I hear people like that, I don't have any expectation that people who experience such trauma and loss should have any like I've said this before, I would probably do well. I'm pretty optimistic. I would like to think that that would persevere, but I'm not confident that it would, and that I might just do all the drugs if something mm-hmm. like that happened to me. But it is very encouraging. It makes my makes me feel less scared of what could happen in my life when I hear stories like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah big time. Yeah, they were everything I read about this family. They were just incredible, and they threw a banquet dinner for the police force once they solve the case and just yeah man amazing yeah i would probably throw a banquet dinner too if somebody helped me find my missing murdered daughter yeah well well what do you got today okay i'm gonna start with something that i actually thought about starting with at the beginning but this isn't we've made a promise to our listeners that we keep the banner at the back but i feel so strongly about this that i almost broke that rule because everybody needs to stop doing what you're doing, turn off this podcast, and don't turn it back on until you've watched The Doghouse UK on HBO. Holy shit, you guys. It's, I don't know if I've ever, it's like Queer Eye, but even more better. (laughs) (laughs) The feelings that I feel while I watch this show, it's it's the most overwhelmed I think I've ever felt watching a show. Really? Yes. Yes. That's why I've been obnoxiously texting you guys about it. And I've held back uh, about wanting to text you about it more. So it's a, it's this um, dog rescue in right outside of London. And it's gorgeous. It's this huge property with these modern buildings and it's stunning. And these dogs, I mean, it's like the, by far the nicest dog rescue I've ever seen. But people come in and they sit down and they, and two people come and speak to them. Two people who work there come and speak to them and like get to know what they want 
and then they go back in the back and they look through their like register of dogs that they have available and then the people who are adopting go and sit in this little private area to meet the dogs outside and so it's like blind dating for dogs and so you get to know the people who are adopting and you get to know their stories so it's like an elderly man who's lost his wife a woman who had to go to prison after assisting her mother's suicide i mean like an autistic 16 year old girl all these just like you fall deeply in love with these people and then they get to watch their reaction as they see these little dogs come and it's like the dogs getting saved and the people getting saved it's oh, remarkable it's so, so good so that's by hands down far and away the highest recommendation that i could possibly give a plus wow. plus 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 I mean, that's coming, saying something coming from you because you like I, a lot of shows deeply. I, you know? Yes. Yeah. There's such good television. I mean, how do yeah. you compete? But that show, holy God. Huh. And you it's, love Queer Eye. So that's really saying a lot. I mean, you're going to, you are just, you just can't have wait. that like. I really am so excited. <laughs> like that feeling the whole time you watch it. Like happy, uh, sad. Uh, it's so good. So that's my big, my big one for the week. And then I have, we've got some. Um, names. Got some oh, cute names. Oh, God. Real quick, before you do cute names, can yeah. I tell you the best story of my week? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the other day, I was doing something in my house. Like, let's say I was doing the dishes. Yeah. And I was listening to my children talk to each other. My yeah. oldest is six. My youngest is three. The six-year-old asks his brother, Hey, what did, what was it like in mommy's tummy? I approve of this weird-ass conversation already. Oh, I love it. I love when they do this shit. Me it's, too. Yeah. I feel like he knows you're listening and he's just doing it to impress you because he, he knows totally that we like weird stuff, stuff, right? Yes, you know? totally. So, you know, hey, what what was it like inside of mommy's tummy? And the three-year-old, he's coloring. He's just like, it was dark. And I'm like, oh. No, he said it was it was black. It was yeah. black. And it was my, my interest was perked. I thought, well, shit, okay. I'm I'm on board. And then the older brother says, what did it feel like without missing a beat? <laughs> Sweet little three-year-old says, like garbage. <laughs> Listen. So my uterus is garbage. <laughs> well, which leads me beautifully into uh, the and remember for the day is going to come now. I was saving it for the end, but there's a meme that says, don't don't think that you can't do important things just because you're a trash person. <laughs> Remember, it's a trash can, not a trash can't. <laughs> so your uterus is a trash can. Can. <laughs> oh shit! God, I love those kids so much. Yep. It's so fucking funny. They're insane. <laughs> they definitely belong to us. Uh-huh. Damn it. You want to do some cute names? Yeah. Yes. I wish we could tell everyone your kids' names because they're really cute. But they don't have last names like fucking Pancake, which nope. our lovely Lacey, one of our listeners and Instagram followers, is from North East Kentucky. I think she said her Northwest Kentucky. Northern part of Kentucky. And there's just pancakes aplenty, apparently. There's pancakes <sighs> fucking everywhere. So so jealous. Step one, Sadie has to divorce her husband, who yes. she loves very much. Too Step bad. two, move like an hour and a half south to northwest Kentucky. Done. Marry a pancake. Done. At least we've triangulated the origin of the pancakes. The yep. Like, how do you get so lucky to live in the... Town middle of the pancake pancakes. family well she seems like a really really good person so yeah some people win all the prizes. maybe she is a good person because she grew up around people called pancake Probably. like i have you know i have a friend who's um jim henson was her uncle step uncle something like very closely related to jim henson and he died when we were very young but when she was like six years old Kermit the actual fucking frog sang her a lullaby? Jesus Christ. Jim Henson, as Kermit, sang my friend a lullaby. Mm-mm. 
she Some is people one win of, all the prizes. Right? She's one of the kindest, most well-adjusted people on the planet. And I attribute it to the fact that Kermit the fucking frog sang her a lullaby. Because how <laughs> can life ever be bad after that is something that you get to experience in your life? So, yeah. similarly, if you grow up in pancake land, shit turns out okay. You turn into a good person. I guess. Yeah. So, similarly, in pancake land... Um, there's a Jane Ann Pancake who was in our friend's circle, our listener's circle. Jane is my middle name, so I particularly love that name. <laughs> she, her brother-in-law's name, I think it was her brother-in-law's name, is Mike Hunt, which, ding, 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 A++, plus plus, <laughs> pretty sure his parents didn't think about it, but <laughs> thank you, universe. <laughs> thank you, universe, for Sharon Dick, and thank you, universe, for Mike Hunt. That's... Yeah, my, my cunt. <laughs> my cunt. And the other person that she knows, which is top five for sure of the best names people have sent us, Lovely Blizzard. I mean, God, I love that so much. <laughs> lovely. And she put it, spelled it phonetically. It is pronounced lovely, not lovely, lovely. So freaking cute. So cute. After I read that email last night, I, I was like, honestly bummed for a good 10 minutes that I didn't work harder to give my children cuter names and it's because of my last name because we gave our the boys Eck as their last name yes and but then I could have been clever I could have at your kids have really cute names though to go with Eck you know like I named them H so they're more than heck. <laughs> Schmeck. Yeah, exactly. first name is Schm. <laughs> Somebody out there can get, come up with one. Anybody have any ideas for what Sam yeah. could have named her kids that would have ended in heck beautifully? <laughs> uh, yeah. God, lovely blizzard. Lovely blizzard. There's also two doctors in Mexico City, or, well, our listener in Mexico City knows of two doctors. Dr. Carino, which... It means like sweetie, honey, or dear, apparently. So like uh-huh. Dr. Sweetie, fucking adorable. So and cute. And then Dr. Corazon, which we all know means heart and like oh. love. <laughs> Dr. Love and Dr. Sweetie. So sweet. So sweet. I want to go to them. Is Any others? No. Ugh. I am no. just But keep them coming. It's Thank you. It's just never endingly cheerful. It's we so really fun. do like text each other 40,000 exclamation points every time you guys send one. Yeah. I think when I was, I, yeah, lovely blizzard, I was like, give me a break. Come on. It's too cute. <laughs> really cute. Uh, should we do some quick shout outs? Yes. I love Speaking the of cute names. Yes. Speaking of crazy, not insane. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you so much to Karen B. Karen B. Beautiful. And not and... Karen like the bad kind 2020, like the good time, good kind from 2018 or That's 16, right. whatever. There was a time before Karens were bad. Uh, thank you to Charmaine V. Yeah, Charmaine V stands for victorious in being the fucking best, Charmaine. Yes. Thank you to Lucinda P. I when you're lucky enough to see that's what i would like my name to be something more like lucinda lucinda is really pretty i think that i would be a good lucinda i think that would fit that would suit me i'm not southern enough or like buxomy enough not that all lucinda but you know like i feel like yeah. it's a real salt like a salt to the earth in like a really sexy cool interesting way so good for you lucinda congratulations on having a better name than me <laughs> And last but not least, thank you to Sarah D. Yeah, Sarah D. We all know what that stands for. <laughs> Deuteronomy? Yeah. No, nope, not a name yes. of the Bible. Unless you're into that, then it is to Deuteronomy. But if you're not, if you don't identify as Christian, I would say it stands for... Sarah Dude-ster. I, I, I was... Go, sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're better at it than <laughs> Sarah Dudester. Dudester. Love you, yeah. Sarah Dudester. Love you, Charmaine. Love you, uh, Lucinda. Love you, T- Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Tina. And I love you, Tina. That's right. I really do. 
Yes, we do. Thank you for your support. If you want to join us over on Patreon, $3 a month to start at the low tier. And you get bonus weekly episodes. And there's a lot of them. So if you've been holding out like a smart person to wait who's like a little bit more frugal with your money it's like i want my money to go a long way it's you can get a lot of more episodes if you go over there right now yeah that's almost a full 24 hours of they will kill yeah that'll that'll get someone like me through like four days so there you go four days of entertainment um and we're getting ready when we hit 100 which should happen very soon to do fun stuff over there so get over there now you guys. <laughs> Listen to the lady. That's right. Also, in the meantime, if you would like to hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, our handle is they will kill. You can go to our website, which is theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Please. Yeah. <laughs> it helps us. Yep. Oh, and, and it's, uh, I think somebody figured out that the review that wasn't for oh, us was right. for They Walk Among Us. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. From the bottom of my ding-dang heart. I know. So awesome. Them. They were immediately like, nope, this is who they were looking for. <gasps> hey, guys, I kind of love it. I kind of just, because the rating review system is so Arbitrary silly. and silly, Yeah. Give us reviews for other people's podcasts. <laughs> I'm in for it. Love them. Hate them. I don't care. Just when them. it's other people's podcasts, I'm like, ah, sweet. Yeah. Say jumper too much. I say jumper too cool. much. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. give it to me. Give them to me. And Just also, type in they. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get, we can take it. <laughs> they joe rogan experience let's get yeah. his reviews no i wonder if that person who left that review has ever listened to us you know like did how did they come up they just clicked on us they really like, did just one. type in they and <laughs> auto con- auto control it's like auto fill Damn, yeah. done wrote it okay. moved on with their day uh thank you aj bergans for our music thank you so much you are the best yeah. and we love you and that is all. We that already did all. our end remember, so we're Well, over let's just bring it back it. again. Trash cans. Trash yeah. cans. Not, not trash, trash cans. cans. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post that meme, too. It's really funny. It's so funny. <laughs> it really... Uh, Be a trash can, not, not a trash can. Not a trash can. can. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It makes me so happy. <laughs> When you said that to me via text earlier, I was walking to my car and I looked down and I was like, snorted out loud. Like it just, people are so beautiful. I I just like to imagine who wrote that. I really hope it was just like a really precocious, hilarious, like 13 year old girl, you know, it's like, yes. Just get, oh yeah, this is good. And it is. It's so, so good. That's so good. We love you guys. We love you guys. You're so good. Thanks for listening. Good. Goodbye. Goodbye. That's my holiday. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.